It's Tuesday, September 29th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me today, the one and only Jason Moser. Thanks for being here. Hey, hey. We've got another retailer gearing up for the holidays. We have another tech giant. I'm, I'm not sure how to categorize this story. We'll get to it soon enough. We're going to start with the spice maker, though, because shares of McCormick are actually down a little bit, despite the fact that McCormick's third quarter profits in revenue came in higher than expected. They also announced a two-for-one stock split. I want to get to the stock split in a minute. I'm assuming the slight drop, 1-2%, that we're seeing in the stock is the guidance, because McCormick, if I understand this correctly, they resumed their fiscal uh, year guidance, and it was a little bit lower than Wall Street was expecting. Um, maybe. I mean, it, it, based on the numbers I had seen, that guidance they resumed was was right in the range that, that had been um, you know, the average expectations that had been you know on the street for some time now. But yeah, they, they had pulled guidance a little while back and, and felt comfortable in getting back into it um, this quarter. Uh, I, you know, I, I think it's probably a couple of things. I mean, let's remember, this is never a cheap looking stock relative to its growth rates. And, and so, right now, I mean, it's trading at around 33, 34 times full year estimates. But you're talking about a company that's, yeah, they're putting up five, six, seven percent top line revenue growth. I mean, that, that, that doesn't quite uh, line up. And, and so, I mean, I understand why the market pays up for it. It's a very high quality business, but it's also not a stock that is trading at a uh, you know, really attractive valuation. So, I can understand the tepid reaction, but um, they're also going to be making some investments here in the coming quarters, uh, spending a little bit more on marketing and ad- advertising and incorporating some new enterprise technology into the business. That'll crimp margins a little bit in the near term. Uh, nothing to worry about. It's it's all in the name of making the business even better uh, than it is today. And and I think that, you know, you're right. This was a really good quarter in a lot of ways. There was a passage on the call that I think really summed it up. <clears throat> and they said the significant shift to consumers eating more at home is persisting long enough that it has become a habit. So, management there is, is seeing that the pandemic economy has obviously changed everyone's behavior. Restaurants have been hit very hard. People are having to cook more at home. And what we're starting to see is that people are doing this more and more, and it's becoming something that's a bit more sustainable. And and that is obviously very good news for them based on what they sell. Um, you know, when you look at the actual growth, I mean, they put up 9% revenue growth this quarter, which is really impressive given their traditional 3-4%. And this was all organic, too. And consumer sales in the Americas rose 17% compared to the third quarter a year ago. So, a lot of really good numbers. Um, just a very reliable, steady business. I, I wouldn't let the market's reaction today uh, bother me. Do you have a sense of where they spend their promotional dollars? I, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of any time I've ever encountered a television commercial, um, a, a pop-up. I'm assuming they're spending their, you know, their marketing dollars somewhere. I'm just not sure where it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say, I mean, as, as someone who has, uh, we have the Hulu Live uh, streaming platform here at home, among other things, and so you know, we can we can watch some live TV from time to time, and I, I do see a, a good number of ads on, on TV from them. I've seen a lot of ads lately, and, and particularly when holiday seasons start uh, coming into play, Thanksgiving and Christmas are two really key seasons for them. Uh, they do they do boost that ad spend a little bit, and you know, they've also been working really hard. This you know, they they have. 
<laughs> they have this really cool app. I mean, McCormick, the tech company, right? They've got a really cool app called the Flavor Maker app. Um, I mean, it incorporates immersive technology. It incorporates uh, augmented reality. You can actually scan the spices in your spice cabinet into this app. So then you have an inventory of your spice cabinet on your phone, which let me tell you, as the cook of the house, it's really helpful when you go to the store and you know that you need some garlic powder or some thyme or something. If you're not sure you have it in your spice cabinet, you can just check your phone and you can confirm one way or the other. So it's little things like that. So, you know, it's not one of those companies that has to uh, spend so much that they're in your, in your face all the time, but they definitely do have uh, ways of getting things out there at the appropriate times of the year. And I suspect we'll see more and more of that as we go into this holiday quarter. Why'd they split the stock two for one? Uh, well, I mean, honestly, when, when you... The normal reason, the reason most companies give, most management teams give, is they believe it'll provide greater liquidity, and and that's exactly what they stated in the call. They noted it had been 18 years since the split, uh, since they last split the stock. Uh, so 2002, they split it, and and the pre-split share price then was $52 and change. But they noted they just feel like it provides greater liquidity. It's going to be appreciated by individual investors and employees more. It gives people an opportunity to buy into the stock because. You know the fact of the matter is now you've got basically you know, a two hundred dollars stock, you know, fluctuating a little, a little over, a little under, and in we've seen that that the market does care about having that liquidity, making it a little bit more accessible uh, to your retail investors, even even in the age of, of fractional shares. Um, so yeah, I mean you know two for one split. That's that's neither here nor there. It's the same size pizza, but uh, you know like like I noted earlier on Twitter today, I'm twice as rich and I feel pretty good about that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm kidding, by the way. I'm not twice as rich. I've got twice as many shares, but it's the same amount of money. So always remember that, folks. A split is just just a mechanism. It's it's not something that really creates any value in the near term. You know how Apple takes a thirty percent cut in its app store. Google looked at the waiter and said, "We'll have what they're having." <laughs> Uh, Google announced it is going to start enforcing rules that require app developers distributing Android software on the Google Play Store to use its in-app payment system. So, using Google's billing system, Google's going to start taking a 30% fee from those payments. Yeah, that's really interesting timing, isn't it? I mean, I guess it shouldn't be surprising given what we've seen going on with Apple lately. Apple and Google a little bit, little bit different there in how their app stores work. Um, Android, and I, I don't use an Android phone, so I'm sure other Android users out there could could speak to this better. But ultimately, Android allows users to install apps without actually having to go through their Play Store. Uh, but but with that said, ultimately they are trying to line their strategy up a little bit more with Apple. I think perhaps in in. Maybe it's a statement of unity in, in, in the sense that they want to communicate the value that they've built in the platform and the operating system for this for this mobile economy. Um, and and I, un, I understand that. I do. I understand both sides of it. Now, it's it's interesting. They just weren't really enforcing these rules so much. They said 97%, I think, of all... Um, all developers in that system to this point were were complying with the rules. You know, there were there were a few that that weren't, and I think a couple of of notables were uh, Spotify and Netflix, which I think they said actually encouraged folks to go through and pay uh, outside of that platform. And, and you can imagine those are two very large user bases um, on their own. Um, so I, you know, to me, it, it, it I feel like this really does 
it puts Apple and it puts Alphabet in the crosshairs of regulators. It's not going to make their it's not going to make their jobs easier. I think over the coming over the coming uh, couple of years because they're really going to have to uh, convince regulators why they should be able to charge what they're charging. And um, perhaps we see some goodwill at some point where they where they reduce that charge. I, I feel like so as a consumer, as as a Spotify subscriber, if I had the choice. I would much rather pay Spotify all of that money. I'd much rather not see Apple or Google get any of the money from my subscription to Spotify because you know I'm supporting Spotify. I mean, I understand I'm using it on my phone, uh, but you know I'd rather see the business that's giving me that that ultimate value there uh, benefit more. I mean, Apple certainly gets plenty of my money from when we buy the phones and the devices and whatnot. But so I mean, it's not it's not an easy answer, uh, but it does seem like it's interesting timing and, and perhaps a a statement of unity. Yeah, and I think at least part of the calculus that they must have done at Google is if we're going to get taken down by regulators, it's not going to be because of this. Yeah. Like, yeah. like you know, this this is not number one on the hit list, so we might as well make a few extra bucks along the way. And as you said, Apple's doing it. They've been doing it for years. So, um, maybe they, it was as simple as thinking the downside just isn't that big. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that if you, if you think about the business of Alphabet and all that it does, it, it ultimately is still it's, it's an advertising play, right? And, and so, if regulators are taking a look at Alphabet and Google, they're not necessarily looking at the regulatory concerns of, of that business the same way they're looking at regulatory concerns of Apple's business. And so, yeah, I think for, for Alphabet, for Google to make this move far less downside because, you know, I mean, that, that's, that's not really going to be the primary focus of regulators anyway. Just in time for the holidays, Bed Bath & Beyond is partnering with Instacart and Shipt to provide same-day delivery. Shipt is owned by Target. Bed Bath & Beyond CEO Mark Tritton, his last job was at Target. He was there for a few years. I, I have to believe... <laughs> <laughs> he might have called up his old friend Brian Cornell at Target and said, "Let's do a deal." Uh, you know, a, a smart move for for Bed Bath and Beyond. Uh, it, it's one of those partnerships that we're not going to know for a few months how this is how this is really working out for them. But um, but it, it's hard to say un- unless the economics of this deal are heavily heavily skewed towards Instacart and Shipt. Uh, this seems like almost a no-brainer of a move. Oh, I, I think you're right. It's a no-brainer move. I mean, the, the Bed Bath and Beyond management even noted, the chief digital officer noted. I mean, the important thing is to make sure we get this in place before the holidays. And, and what we're seeing more and more in the retail space is, um, you know, businesses in the retail space are really encouraging shoppers to get out there and start shopping now, as opposed to waiting until you know November or December. I mean, this is going to be a bit more of a, a protracted holiday season, I think, from that perspective, for a number of reasons. And so, with Bed Bath and Beyond, obviously. A, a business in, in a state of turnaround, and I, I, I think that what we're seeing Mark, Tr- Mark Tritton do with business, it's all encouraging. Uh, it certainly seems like it's starting to recover a little bit, and um, I, you know, I, I don't know how it, it, I don't know how top of mind Bed Bath and Beyond is for folks these days, given the other um, alternatives that are out there. But I, I tell you, when I read this story, when I started digging into it a little bit more, to me, what really stood out from this. Is is the 
the wisdom in in Target's acquisition of Shipt back at the end of 2017. Um, I mean, if you remember, they paid 550 million dollars for Shipt back uh, right at the end of 2017, and Shipt is essentially, you know, it's not Target specific. I mean, this is basically Target's efforts at not only bringing fulfillment expertise into their specific business, but also becoming more of a fulfillment company that that serves many businesses. I mean, in, in May, on Target's earnings call, they announced that order volume over the course of the quarter for the shipped business, independent of Target's portion of that order volume, was up uh, two times. And in April, it was up 3x. And they had 60% growth in membership. So, there's a significant acceleration there. And I mean, ultimately, Shipt is a $99 a year membership. And it gives you access to shop from a number of different customers. I think Kroger uses it. And, and, and obviously, Target uses it. And now, Bed Bath & Beyond is using it. And so, I, it was a really, uh, it was a shrewd acquisition at the time for Target that maybe kind of snuck under the radar. We didn't think it was going to be as... Um, as as beneficial for the business as maybe as as maybe it has become. I mean, but if you look at the actual numbers since that time, and I'm not I'm not saying this was all because of shipped, but Target since that acquisition is up 142 percent versus the market's 25. And so, I mean, shipped is definitely a part of that success. And I, and I think going forward, given the state of things and given the way the retail environment has shifted, I mean, this is going to prove to be a very very smart acquisition. Uh, the more time that passes. No, I think you're right, and it's it's another, you know, it's to Brian Cornell's credit at Target. Um, the guy's just really good at capital allocation. I yeah, mean, it's <laughs> just you know, there's it just seems like the the longer he stays in the corner office, the more evidence piles up. Um, whether it's uh, the decision they made around pharmacies, the investments they've been making in apparel, the shipped acquisition, um, it's uh, it it's really quite a track record that he's racking up there. Um, you mentioned the stock performance. I'm just going to add parenthetically, going back to Bed Bath & Beyond, when we did the Motley Fool Money fall preview show, which came out on September 4th, Ron Gross talked about Bed Bath & Beyond as sort of the, <laughs> the stock on a, a short leash. And he was like, I, you know, I own shares of this. I believe in Mark Tritton, but uh, you know, I want to see something. Stock's up more than 20% since then, so I, you know, hopefully Ron is um, feeling like he can let the leash out just a little bit more on this company. But I, you know, as someone who also owns shares, I was happy to see this announcement. I, I want to see what the results are, I, yeah, you know, because yeah. this is this is not um, this is, and you indicated as much. This is not a business that you necessarily think of around the holidays. It's not, you know. Um, <laughs> Probably so, not. So if they can, you know, three months from now come out with, because uh, I think they report later this week. So you know, fourteen weeks from now, it'll be interesting to see what their holiday quarter looks like, um, and if it's impressive. I have to believe at least part of it is going to be because of these partnerships. I would think so, and I, and I, I do I do agree with you on on um, on, on Cornell, and, and I think you know even looking back to I think it was our I think it was our 2020 preview show for Motley Fool Money, where one of our questions was like keep an eye on blank they they are going to surprise you you know in a good way, and I actually had, had noted Mark Tritton and Bed Bath and Beyond as well because I feel like you get some fresh eyes in there, someone who who's a bit more in touch with the modern day retail. Economy and it does feel like I mean the stock is still 
kind of you know recovering, uh, but it it does feel like the moves that he is making are setting this business up for the best possible chance of success. I mean, I, I you know it's it, you make these moves and then it's a matter of execution. And with something like Bed Bath and Beyond, it, it it's it's not that it, it, I don't know that you necessarily go to Bed Bath and Beyond directly specifically looking for something. A lot of times it feels like you go in there, it's kind of like a TJ Maxx sort of situation where you go in there, maybe you're not sure exactly what you want, but you're kind of on the treasure hunt and you find some stuff and you walk out of there happier than when you, when you went in. Um, so th- that remains to be seen. If they're going to be able to really lure shoppers in and say, we know you're looking for this, we have this and we have it at the best prices. Um, because, you know, they've, they've to this point really most it it seems like most of the traffic is generated from those those mailers that you get seemingly every month that say hey come to bed bath and beyond i get this for 20 30% off um so that remains to be seen execution but i, I do like the steps that mark Curtin has, has taken um I, I i really really am impressed with uh with cornell and target and shipped i mean I, I think that is going to just as time goes on prove to be a really really smart acquisition Jason Moser, always good talking to you. Happy National Coffee Day. Thank you, sir. You too. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.